0: So yesterday, I was sitting on my back deck. There's a, there's a, a young man that was kind of helping us out with a project down in the basement. His name was Cody. And um, Cody had come up. I, I was cooking hamburgers for the family, and I made, I made Cody and, and Cody one of these, and he's sitting at the table and ended up talking about he asked what I do for a living. I told him, you know, some of the things I do, and he begins to talk about church. He says, you know what? I've been in church about maybe two or three times in my life. I was like, really? You know, he began to tell me a little bit more about that. You know, didn't grow up in a church, didn't grow up in a church home. And um, somehow, you know, I mentioned that I was, I was teaching on the resurrection of Jesus at our church. I'd be doing that today, you know. And just, I said, man, what do you, what do you think about that? What do, you think about, what do you think about the resurrection of Jesus? And he looked at me and he said, you know, I, I said, Cody, do you, do you believe? Do you believe that that Jesus really actually came up from the grave? You know? And he looks at me and he says, you know what? I want to take a chance and say, Yes. Yes, I do. So I think that's my challenge for you and I. We take chances and we say, Yes, we do believe it. It's not just a it's not just a myth, it's not just a fable, it's not just sort of spiritual allegory for our faith. We believe that there's that there was an historical event where Jesus came back to life after being dead in the grave, and that changes everything. That is, that's the hinge of human history. I want to talk about that one more week. Can we do that one more week? Can we talk about Come Alive one more week? If we can't, say no. I don't hear any no's, so we're going to do it. All right, pop quiz. How many, how many, people, how many were people were resurrected in Jesus? in Jesus' ministry? Anybody know that? Anybody know that? How many people, How were, many resurrected? people were resurrected? We so we know Lazarus was, because we looked at it week. last week, and there was and there were some others. Some you know, was the, you know the there was the uh, daughter the of Jairus. Resur- she resurrected. was resurrected, and a few others. But there's this. But there's this There's this little little, small small account in Matthew's Gospel Gospel, that when when I read it it for the first time with sort of just just with eyes to see see, and ears to hear, it blew my mind. mind. And it was almost almost one of those those who snuck this in kind of moments. Like, how did I never see this kind of moment? You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever have those kind of things? So let's look at this in Matthew 27. because this. This is pretty crazy, and it's it easy to miss it's because we talk so much about, so much the, about the, 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 the main part of the part story of the, the we that we miss some of these little smaller things, things uh, that may be um, clues may be this, clues, is, this, is, this is something bigger time. that's so, happening. Matthew, so, Matthew chapter uh, 27, 27, this is this sort of the, the sort end of the, the book, this is telling the story about the resurrection of Jesus. Let's go to verse 50. We're going to read it. It's up here on the screen if you're not there. It's very quick. Pay attention. Verse 50 says this, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He is dead, as this verse says. Listen to verse 51. Here we go. There's going to be a curveball coming at you. At that moment, y'all say at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, So what moment was this? This is the moment that Jesus breathed out his last and gave up his spirit. The moment of Jesus' death, the Bible says several things happened. First of all, the the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Here's the second thing that happens. The earth shook, the rocks split, and tombs, and the tombs broke open. And it says the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Y'all, come on. That's nuts. Did, did you see what it just said? I want to read it again. When Jesus dies, at that moment, the temple, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Bodies. That's plural. So in this moment of when Jesus is dying, there's these other incredible things happening. There's the, there's the, 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 we're talking about these, the temple curtains splitting in two. There's an earthquake. These rocks are splitting, and these graves give up their bodies. Verse 53, they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection. So we'll pay attention to that timing. The graves open up. The tombs break open, but it's not until three days later that the people come out of these graves after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city and appeared to many people. These are incredible events that are all happening during this time period. And it's easy, it's easy to miss this, you know, because we don't, we don't really talk about this. The other gospel writers, Ma- uh, Mark, Luke, and John, they don't mention this account. Only Matthew does. But there's something really, really powerful about this, and I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's doing several things, and we're going we're to kind of get into what this means. But first of all, these events that I just read to you, first of all, they are a prophetic sign, especially the temple. The temple veil being torn is a prophetic sign that things have changed in how God's people are to approach God. Keep in mind what the temple is for. The temple is, is, is that's, that's the meeting place of God and his people. And the, and, and the, 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 the curtain is what separated the most holy place from everything else. You could go into many parts of the temple. You could go into the courts, the courtyards, the court of the Gentiles. You can go to the court of the women. Go all the way into into the holy place, but not into the most holy place. That was set aside for the priest, the high priest alone, to go into that place and to offer atonement for the people. So this curtain separates a holy God from an unholy people. Imagine then, at the death of Jesus, something happens, and this mighty huge tapestry fabric that has been hanging for generations is just ripped like a thunderclap and it splits apart and it falls to the ground and the most holy place is now exposed and accessible. Imagine the look on the faces of the worshipers there when this moment happens. They're probably aware of what's happening with Jesus. They know that he's a troublemaker. Maybe they believe he's the Messiah. Maybe they think that he's just a rabble rouser who needs to be executed. Whatever it is, something happens and they know that in this moment, this curtain falls to the ground as if to say, things have changed. So the first thing, it's a prophetic sign that there is, the old way is not anymore, and there's a new way to come. Second thing about this is, these events are witnesses to the hinge of human history. And the hinge of human history is, is simply the fact that, that, that God himself in in flesh and blood, came and died and was raised up to life again. Something of that magnitude has cosmic, universal implications. And the earth cannot help but respond to its own creator who has been buried inside of the world that he made, who has been put under the flesh that he made is now dead and he's about to go into the ground and the ground itself is just quaking with just a response to this and the rocks are shaking and the rocks are scattering as if to say, what in the world? This is not right. This doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a witness uh, to the hinge of human history. You remember that, um, that, that, that part of the story, those of you that read C.S. Lewis or that you've seen The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the movies or read the books, there's this beautiful part. The whole thing is beautiful. Whole thing is amazing, but especially the part where Aslan, the lion, of course, who represents the Christ figure, comes and he's taken to the great stone table, and there he is killed by the witch. Um, And you remember that part where, 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 at that moment, and they come back, and the stone table is now cracked and broken. I think the same thing is happening here. The whole earth is just responding. They're witnessing this pivotal event in human history. So it's a prophetic sign. It's witnesses to human history, but it's also especially, you know, the, the part about the tombs being broken open, they're the first fruits of more to come. And I, you know, I, I, come, I, I think about this as like, this is like as if God couldn't help himself. I, you know, I can imagine the Father saying, I want to give them a taste of what's to come. So I'm going to raise my son up, but I want to let a little bit of that resurrection power spill out to these other saints that are in the ground too as if it's a little bit of a taste of what's to come, like a little bit of an appetizer of what's to come. So these are the first fruits of a greater reality to come. So imagine, though, I I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine just the shock on the faces of the people that these loved ones appear to. Imagine that you're in Jerusalem and that these loved ones, you know, this is not like Lazarus, who's only been in the grave for, for three or four days, you know? every indication seems these are just holy people that have been in the grave, some of them probably for a long time. Imagine grandma and grandpa who've been in the ground for a long time. They love God. They serve God in their lifetime. You know, they they lived a good life. We buried them a long time ago and many seasons have passed. Imagine now the, the shock of all of a sudden grandma and grandpa are now coming into our doorway, standing there with resurrected bodies looking at us. And we say, what in the world is happening? This is, they're the first fruits of what's to come. And to be honest, imagine the surprise of grandma and grandpa themselves, who by the power of the Holy Spirit are brought up out of the grave and are now walking around looking at their resurrected bodies. And I believe that they're aware by the power of the Holy Spirit of what's happening this is an incredible thing. Imagine the surprise of, of, their, of the loved ones that they're coming to. This is the first fruits of what's to come. God cannot help but give us a taste of what's in store. And this is the reality of the resurrection. All right, I want to take a breath. So, let me give a word for the church. God is getting ready to rob some graves. I think God I know Jesus is the original grave robber. I said it last week. I think he's he, he 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 does it. He's doing it every day. He's robbing people out of the graves. He's pulling people out of places of brokenness. Now, I don't think there's some specific graves that he wants to rob you and I out of this morning. Because, you know, I I think and I want to talk about this in a minute. I think that that obviously there's a there's a literal resurrection where you and I one day if Jesus tarries, you know, that we're we're going to be in the ground, and we're going to come back up, but let me back this up a little bit. I also think that there may be some other kind of graves that you and I are in today that Jesus wants to call us out of. He wants to rob us out of these. I think one of these is a grave of despair and hopelessness, and that's, that's a heavy place to be. Those of you that have, think about it, you know, those of you that are, that are walking with Jesus in newness of life, do you remember what it was like before. Do you remember your life before the light of Christ broke through? Do you remember that weight of despair, that weight of hopelessness? What, what is the purpose of life? Why do I exist? Why does nothing make sense? How do I have peace in the world? How do I have joy in the world? How, you know, wh- wh- what's the meaning of it all? This is, a co- this is the world that apart from the grace of Jesus, the tomb that we are in is one of despair and hopelessness because we are lost in our sin we are dead in our sin and when you are lost and when you're dead in your sin when you don't know the way your your normal sort of your normal expression of life is dealing with despair dealing with hopelessness where does hope come from and i think many many of us have been in that grave maybe some of you are in that grave now you feel suffocated by despair, and hopelessness. And I think Jesus wants to call you out of that. He wants to rob you out of that grave. He wants to pull you out of that. He wants to say, look, this is not the life I have for you. I've got a life of purpose for you. I've got a life of hope for you. And those of you, those of us that have sort of been in the church all of our lives, it's easy for us to forget how, how, how real the weight of that grave has been. So talk to someone who is a new believer, ask them about it, and they will say, yes, I, the, this is night and day, what the life that I have in Christ is so real and so true and so full of hope and so full of joy. Because they remember, they remember the weight of that grave. I think that's one thing that, um, that Jesus wants to rob, is this grave of hopelessness and despair and friend, if that's you, beloved, if that's you, if you are there, if you are watching all of this and saying, I am, I'm in that pit, I'm in that grave, I'm in that place, we want to pray for you. Comment in there and say, look, will somebody, will somebody message me and pray for me? One of our team will reach out, we'll message you, we'll pray for you, just because we want you, we want you to experience the, 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 the reality of the hope and the purpose and the joy and the destiny of of what the cross offers you. And I promise you, you get a taste of it, you know. I get a taste of it, and you'll never be the same. Just like Cody say, I want to take a chance and say yes. Maybe you need to do that. I think there's another grave that Jesus wants to rob us out of, and that's the grave of dissatisfying pleasure and wealth. And I think this is a grave that is, especially, um, in, in our in our culture in America in our materialistic culture, we're especially vulnerable to this, because we have every we have everything um, at our disposal. We every kind of pleasure is within reach. Um, relatively speaking, we are very wealthy compared to so much of the world, and. One way that we deal with the hopelessness and despair that we feel is we try to feed that, we try to fill that up with pleasure, you know, with sex, um, with entertainment, with different kinds of substances, or with the pursuit of money, with the pursuit of, of wealth, with the pursuit of power, with ambition, with you know, our career, with, with travel, with all these other things you know, to try, to try to fill that void in there, to try to give some sense of why we exist in the, you know, why do I exist in the world? I exist to make myself feel better, but I can't make myself feel better, so I keep grabbing at things to make myself feel better, and it doesn't seem to be working. The more I, the more I feed myself in with the junk of the world, the worse I feel. Anybody feel that way? I've felt that way in the past. You know what that's like. The hungrier you are, for reality, for real truth, and you don't know where to look for it, you keep feeding yourself all of the junk of the world and just makes it, it's like eating a bag of, like a bag of chips. You know, imagine your favorite bag of chips. I think it was Cool Ranch Doritos yesterday. You know, there's something about those stupid chips where you could eat an entire bag and you're just not full yet. You're like, I need another bag. I need like the big Party bag of these things because I'm keep eating them and eating them and eating them, and I'm just like, my there's stuff in my stomach, but I'm not satisfied. Because these things are not meant to satisfy us. So we are in this grave of dissatisfying pleasure and wealth. And if if that's where you are, Jesus is saying, look, come out. You're never going to be fed by the stuff of the world. That's not how you're wired. That's not how your, 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 your spiritual DNA doesn't mesh with that kind of life. Let me show you what really is going to give you satisfaction. Say no to that. And I think, I think that Jesus wants to rob us out of this grave of pleasure and wealth. I think there's a third one, and that's the grave of addiction and enslavement to sin. See, that's where... Dissatisfying pleasure and wealth can often lead is the more that we keep feeding on these things soon. We find ourselves like addicted and enslaved to this kind of life that we don't really want. Pornography is that way. Pornography is so profoundly addictive. Alcoholism is so, drugs are so profoundly addictive because we crave something. We want to, we want to feel alive with something. We want something to meet this need and we just can't keep, it's a cycle that keeps on growing. And we're in this grave and we can't get out. And Jesus says, I want to, I want to pull you out of this. Those of you that are, that, are, that, are, that are addicted or enslaved to sin now, Christ has the power to break you out of that. He does. He can do it in a moment. If you're willing to walk out of that grave and say, Jesus set me free by your power, he can do it in a moment. And again, we could pray for you about this. If you just want to message us, we'll help you. You know, we'll, we'll connect with you and uh, and just kind of get you moving in that in, in that way. Jesus is robbing graves all the time. He did it for me, he did it for everyone here. He's doing it again today, all around the world. He's pulling people out of graves, and he's also pulling people physically out of graves. Resurrections are still happening around the world today. First fruits of the first fruits of what's to come. These little sprinklings, you know, like the little, little sprinklings of rain before the full shower. It happened in Matthew 27. It happened in Acts. It's been happening through human history. It's happening today. Supernatural resurrections are happening around the world. Why? Because God wants us to know that this is a reality in the kingdom to come. Get used to it. Prepare for it. Live in this reality. So let me tell you a little interesting thing. So I was, we were actually trying to shoot a video for uh, for Easter last week. Out we we're going to do it out like outside somewhere, you know, like pre-shoot the video and then roll it. We didn't get to because the wind was so bad and it was awful. But in that process, I was researching. Uh, cemeteries, graveyards here in Justman County. It's like this would really be cool. You know, I want to find a graveyard and like go sit in the graveyard and like you know video uh, you know video myself there in the graveyard. So I'm I'm researching where are old graveyards, and uh, I found one down the road. Belonged to, it's on this farm, you know, like way back behind some old lady's farm, and it's just whatever. And um, as it turns out, and there's as it turns out. This graveyard has three or four gravestones with the last name on the headstone of, you guessed it, yours truly, E-A-S-L-E-Y. I'm thinking, okay, this is weird because my family, we're not Kentuckians, you know, we're from like Oklahoma and Texas and Arkansas. You know, what the heck are these, are, are, are Easleys doing in 200-year-old graves here in Jessamine County? you know, I don't know. I don't know the story. I don't know how these, you know, maybe they were just, you know, some ambitious pioneers who, when the rest of the Easleys were heading to, to, to Oklahoma, they said, we're not going to Oklahoma. We're going to bluegrass country. We're going to Kentucky. See a family, and then maybe they went up here, and a little strain of us ended up here. It's kind of crazy to see that. What's crazier, though, is to think that one day those graves will give up the dead. One day, those Easleys in the ground here in Jessamine County, by the power of God, will be brought back to life. The ground where those graves are will come up and they will give up their dead. That's a promise. That's the reality of, of Easter. Because Jesus is a grave robber and he can't leave a grave alone. He can't help it. So here's what I need you to know. When the resurrected Christ broke out of death's grip, it started a chain reaction of coming alives. You like my quote? Coming alives. So when Jesus broke out of death's grip, when he did it, when he sort of with this subversive, behind-the-scenes, sneaky counterattack, came in and just destroyed the enemy's schemes, it started a series of a a, a chain reaction of coming alive. We saw it in Matthew 27. We see it in Acts. We see it all through the New Testament. We saw it through human history. We see it today. The resurrection promise is not just a promise for way out in the future, one day, in the sweet by and by when Jesus comes back. The resurrection, the promise of resurrection is a reality for for today. Every part of your life Beloved, every part of your life can be impacted by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Every part of your life can be touched by the resurrection power of Christ. Hear me on this. It's not just something way down the road. You can have resurrection power now, today, no matter how deep of a grave you're in in your life. It can be, it's there for you. It's a gift from Christ for you. In the undoing of death, Jesus brings a redo of life. Remember redos? I love redos from elementary school. We call them do-overs, I guess, is what we call them, you know? Like, every, if we did something stupid, like, hey, I'm playing kickball. I was terrible at kickball. I was always the last one picked, you know? But like, you know, if we if, if we wanted to, kick a kickball and we would whiff and like, you know, miss the ball completely like I would often do. I would say, no, no, no I want to redo. I want to do over. I want to do over. And I'd throw the ball back and they'd roll it my way again. I would get to do over. We get to do over our life. We get to start over again with things. This time in the right way. This time with the right trajectory. This time with the right spiritual DNA in place. Jesus brings that to us because he's undone death. He's reversed it. He's hit the reverse button on that. All right, let me let me let me wrap up with a couple things here. So why doesn't it feel that way now? Why suffering? Why why is there? That's a reality. Why is there suffering? Why is there hurt? If, if this resurrection power is here, if everything is all pie in the sky, everything is all, you know, sugar-coated candy, why is there hurt? Why is there suffering? Why is there COVID-19? Why is there unemployment? You know, where where's the resurrection life when things get bad? Where's the resurrection life when I have this diagnosis? Where is resurrection life when I am fired? Where's resurrection life when my bank account is empty, when I'm abandoned by someone that I love? Let me read this to you. It's in Second Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 7. I want to read this to you, and I We've got, it's up on the screen, but I want to read this to you. Keep it up on the screen, guys. But I want to read this to you from a different translation called The Message. It's, it's more of a, an everyday paraphrase. I want you to hear this as if you're hearing it for the first time. So keep it up there, but I want you to listen to this here. 2 Corinthians 4. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. Someone say amen. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst you're getting in on the best. Sometimes God allows our life to get darker just so his light can shine brighter. And now up to this here, look at this last line. Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. you got to keep those two things in tension together. Both the realities right now in the world that we're in. Death is at work all around us right now. Things are getting worse. The darkness is getting darker. But the brightness is getting brighter. But life is at work in us as well. One more thing, over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Flip over a little bit more. I'll read this beginning in verse... uh, Uh, No, stay in four, but let's begin reading in verse 16, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Y'all don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Every day, the resurrection power of Christ is making us new. Every day, we're coming alive more and more, even though on the outside, our bodies may be wasting away, on the inside we are being renewed every day. Keep on reading. For our light and momentary troubles, y'all say light and momentary, come on, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is other words, we don't focus on the problem. don't focus on the, what's going on in the world around us. We don't focus on, 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 on just the stuff that we see in the natural. We keep in mind that there is a greater reality that we're called to live in. Let's keep on reading. For we know that if the earthly tent, in other words, the body that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. In other words, you know, there is this ache inside of us. There is this groan like the rocks in Matthew 27 you know, we're trembling, we're shaking the, the, the ground, and our bodies are part of the earth. We're, we're just trembling and knowing we're meant for more than this. Longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we're almost done, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be, say it with me at home, come on, swallowed up by life. Y'all, come on. This is good stuff. Swallowed up by life. You guys remember uh, that event that happened several years ago um, down in, uh, in Bowling Green at the, uh, the the Corvette Museum? There was this great sinkhole that opened up not out in the country, the sinkhole opened up right there in Bowling Green, right there inside of the Corvette Museum, and just this great chasm, just the earth just gave way, and all of these cars, all these sports cars, all of this stuff, you know, all of the the treasures of the world, right, were just swallowed up by the earth. And Jesus is saying, look, you're going to be swallowed up one way or the other. You're going to be swallowed up by death or you can be swallowed up by life. And we're standing on the rim of that great big sinkhole of God's love and God is saying, come on, jump in. There's nothing to fear. This is what you're made for. You're made to be swallowed up in life. You're not made to stay in grave. You're not made to stay dead. You're not made to stay in despair and hopelessness, pursuing dissatisfying pleasure and wealth, being slaves to sin. You're not made for that. You're made for more than that. You're made to come alive. You're made just to jump in and to be swallowed up whole in God's love. So can I pray that for you this morning, beloved? That you'll be swallowed up in life. Can I pray that for you? I'm going to. And I, we'd love to pray for any other needs that you might have, any other things that are weighing you down. I want to encourage you to post those in the thread below, and we'll pray for those here in a moment. We're actually going to do it live on camera. It's what we do. If you never watched us before, we do it. We take about we take a few minutes here, and we pray for for these things live. You know, because we want you to know um, that. God answers prayer. God moves when we agree together and there's power in agreement. So not just me praying, you know, it's every, all, of our, all of our King's Church family that's watching with us is praying together for your need. We're in agreement for your need. We see breakthrough. God's not limited by the distance. God's not limited by technology. He's at work. His power is here. And God says, look, you know, you're, you're in quarantine. All the more reason that I'm going to work. Just when it seems like things can't get worse, his power is gonna move mightily. So post those, if you will. Whatever things you've got, we wanna begin to pray for those. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, grave robber. (laughs) Oh, what did you do, Lord Jesus? What have you done? You broke it all open. You broke it all open, Lord. And you call us out. You call us to come alive. Father, we want to be swallowed up in your love today. So we jump in, stand, we stand on the edge. We know that it requires letting go of our own self, letting go of self-control, letting go of our own rights, our own self-determination. It means saying no to some things. It does. It means giving up some things. We know that. We know this is what we're made for, Lord God. You are what we're made for. Life in you, Lord Jesus. Oh. Um.